Hello, welcome to episode 1103 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm sad. You're sad? There's two days left in the regular season. How can I not be sad? But then we get playoff baseball, I know. Baby. I'm very excited for the playoffs, but you know it's different than the everyday grind of the regular season. I am ready to decompress. I am ready to, you know, take some time here in October, breathe, get back into it in November. At the same time, I'm still lamenting the end of the regular season. I love the daily grind, but I'm very excited for this playoff. We haven't gotten much by way of playoff chases. You know, everything's been kind of settled, which is okay. Um, I, obviously, it's fun when things matter down the stretch, um, but we haven't gotten as much of that. But I think the, it's going to be made up for with a great playoff. I think, can you name a team right now that's going to make the playoffs that you don't, that you really think has no chance to win? Like, or no chance. See, I actually think they have a strong chance that when people ask who the sleeper is, I, that's the team I keep saying because they yeah. can hit because they can hit more than they've been able to hit in recent years while, while still fair. having good pitching. I, I mean, any especially with the expanded playoffs, like anything, anything's possible. Like, yeah, like even the Phillies. Like, yes, their defense sucks, but they have two aces. They have mm-hmm. two aces, and they have some brilliant hitters. They have a lot of power hitting, too, which can go cold, but it's also that catch-up fast because they can hit the homers. So even a team like that that's a little bit flawed, I can see them winning. Plus, plus Kyle Gibson. I, I hate him so much. He, he ruined my season. He, I ne- he's, I he's, legitim- he, he's legitimately going to cost you. I know. Probably a title. Not a title. Stop. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do the math on it. And you can legit, do the math on it, but and just give you a league average pitcher, and I, I wonder if I mean, title. I I truly don't believe it's gonna be a title, but it's going to probably be a cash spot. He put up a 973 OP, uh, ERA in September. That's devastating in 28 and two thirds. Just four mega duds, two uh, one gem and one mediocre. Both of those were against Miami. The schedule was tough. People probably asking, well, why'd you start him, you stupid idiot? Uh, I, it was kind of out of my hands. I had to spam starters with wins and Ks, and I didn't have better options than him. Well, it turns out I did, but you just didn't realize <laughs> until after the fact, right? Like Dre Jameson dominating the Dodgers. Okay. How was I supposed to know? You know, JP Sears dominating the Mariners, like things like that. So it, it is probably going to cost me a, a cash spot, though. We'll see. We still have a couple days. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about some second half fall offs, which Kyle Gibson would probably be a part of it. Not that he had a great first half, but because his second half was so bad. But we're going to talk hitters today. Oh, we didn't go Friday, by the way. Um, I had to be out of town. I was going to be out of town Thursday and everything was going to be set. No problem. Ended up getting pushed to Friday. That's why we didn't have a pod. We will still do the topic that we we're supposed to do for Friday, either this week or next. Um, mm-hmm. I think. We'll figure it out, but we will have a pod this we'll Friday. Probably do, we should probably do a playoff preview of some sort on Friday. We can do – yeah, because people play playoff uh, fantasy too. So if yeah, we want to do that. I'm probably going to do the uh, the NFBC. Me too. Me too. Keep that itch. Mm-hmm. Keep scratching that itch for a few more weeks. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to talk about second half falloffs uh, from the hitter realm. Guys that took major tumbles. Are you worried? Are you concerned? Are you going to still draft them? Will it create a discount, et cetera, et cetera? But before we get into those 11 players – we were starting to bat this around uh, offline, but I didn't want you to answer before we got online to waste all your good stuff uh, for the pod. Shohei Otani, having a great season. We know that. These Even coming into the year, I think most people saw him as a hitter 
almost exclusively with like the pitching as a little bonus, maybe. Has he been more valuable as a hitter or pitcher this year? Now I know what he's been statistically. We can we'll get into that. We can look at the Rasball player writer. But in terms of like philosophically and the way you manage your team and the way hitting has been more plentiful on the waiver wire because of the NLDH, has he not been more or where has he been more valuable to you for Otani? So you I think you said before, like what is he like the thirteenth hitter and the seventh or fifth, ninth fifth pitcher the, the fifth pitcher yeah so so from the data it says hit pitcher but but you roster a lot more hitters than you do starters true and so i would assume that mathematically it would come out i mean and someone will have the numbers in terms of how much money has been earned from either wouldn't spot. that make his impact more at pitching though because he's one of nine I mean, and really one of seven because most teams are awesome. Yeah. These two closers. Um, probably. I mean, the I answer mean, is no on the Rasball player rater. $23.40 as a starter, uh, $30.10 as a as a hitter. Yeah, I would think um, – I, th- I mean, I think it comes down to, like, a contextual question like you were kind of framing at the beginning, which is pitching has been so disastrous this year, especially yeah. at the bottom end that he probably has been more valuable individually to each team. Maybe earn more money as a hitter, but probably been more impactful as a pitcher for, for people, um, obviously depending on how you use them. Uh, but, I mean, I think it really begs the question, like, is Otani – and this is a conversation I had with uh, with Dave McDonald on the FWFB pod uh, months ago. Um, mm-hmm. Should Otani be the number one overall pick next year in leagues where you can't use him – um, you know, on a, in a daily moves, like in a weekly lineup or, uh, you know, an FPC style where you can, you know, switch, you know, hitters, you know, bi-weekly and pitchers weekly. Yeah. Should he be the number one overall pick? I, I think you can make a case for it. Yeah. I think you make the case. I'd have a really hard time doing it, to be honest. I, I mean, I just, well, because think, it, if you're using him as a hitter, it is a DH and it is yeah. a util and it's like, you, you can work around that, but, you know, covering that spot off rip. I think one of the arguments that people don't make enough is that you get an extra spot on your roster pretty much. Like he is, he, he is, you know, you know, instead of like, let's say you got a seven man bench and usually you want to roster with, you know, four hitters and three pitchers. You now have one guy who can, you know, operate as both a hitter and pitcher and then add an extra gut bench guy to bolster whatever you're weaker at. Like, I think, to be honest, like if if you think about it logically, he probably is the number one player in fantasy, even in weekly leagues, mm-hmm. in spite of the somewhat headache. It's like a gold plated problem, though. Like, yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it, gold plated problem. Because yeah, it, it is tough to like decide what to do. Like, oh, which greatness am I going to take this week? Exactly. Um, I'm curious for anybody out there that shifted mid season. And you know, saw him as a hitter coming in. You were rostering him as a hitter for the first, you know, month, six weeks. But then you pivoted to the pitching, uh, even if it was later in the season. Uh, I'm curious if teams that did that and and it caused a rally. So if that was you, if you were like, I gotta, I gotta make this Otani guy a pitcher. You put him in your rotation and then sh- shot up the standings. I, obviously, it wouldn't just be based off of him. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious on people that that had. I mean, I'm happen. sure a lot of people did because you got so much goodness from the hitting. You probably were ahead in hitting. And then yeah. we're able to, you know, or vice versa, right? And uh, you find hitting again, mm-hmm. like 
With the NLDH, that was the primary reason. You could just find more hitting week to week. Pitching was not as widely available if you were streaming, um, uh, mostly in 15s, but that all trickles down too in 12s and 10s. And uh, I just think Otani probably better off as a pitcher on most squads. And, you know, I think I was saying toward the end of draft season, like he's he should be more of a top five pick, and he was going mid to late first round mm-hmm. for Otani. I think he's a top three pick next year. You don't have to take him number one. I'm not saying he has to be the slam dunk one. I think I'm still taking Trey Turner. Um, but Otani's right there for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the question becomes how, and I, I know what your answer is going to be is kind of like, you know, we, we, you know, you don't predict injuries, but uh, he's had a Tommy John before. Mm-hmm. Um and there just has to be, and I don't know how to quantify it, but there has to be like an inherent extra added risk for a guy who plays both. Like it just, like I, I mean, it's it's amazing to me he's made it through a full season this year without any real injury issues. I mean, there was that like, I think what there was like an arm fatigue thing earlier on in the season, but like other than that, like and he didn't miss any starts. Like it's he's been amazing and unreal but like it's like can the human body do this or is he just a unicorn like he like it just i i I don't know like i just i have this overwhelming fear and it's it's supported by absolutely nothing so but i just have this overwhelming fear that a guy can't do what he's doing long term like he's just he's just too good and maybe the long term is three or four years down the road you know, eventually his body just breaks down because he's he's putting too much strain on his body. Um, but I just like I just worry about. That. And, and am I being unreasonable? Am I reading too much into it? Like I, I no. Know. I mean, I think when you are doing that much, there is some added risk for sure with Otani because he is doing the, the hitting and the pitching. But you know, it, it is so hard to predict injury. I think mm-hmm. it is is heightened, and if you don't want to take Otani number one overall, sure, I get that. But man, the production two 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 years now, and he's been a great hitter throughout 2020 from the 44 games. Who gives a crap? Uh, was the only time that we've seen any sort of uh, kinks in his hitting, and uh, he didn't really pitch in 2020 either. I think he threw it an inning, and then obviously he didn't pitch 2019 because he was hurt. He, he was hitter only, but he's just such a great player that. I'm willing to take the shot. I really am. I'm willing to take that risk I mean, and see see what's up with Otani. Who are your top three? You said you take him top three. So Otani's, let's say, third. Trey Turner right. first. Is J-Ram yeah. Yeah, one? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, well, no, I was going to say J-Ram, or no, Trey, J-Ram, Jose Ramirez, uh, Otani. Okay. I think, that, I, think, I think that's the three right now. And I will say, though, kind of want to see what happens with Trey. If he goes to a new team, you know how I feel about guys I follow that smart system. I, would, I assume they're going to. I think so too. But you know, with Colin Wolfman, they always talk about the uh, first mm-hmm. year of a big deal. Pitcher was always the main concern for me. There, they expand it to everybody, and I agree. I don't love that. Give him a transition year. We saw it more recently with Lindor. It was a trade, but he also got the big deal. He needed a year adjustment. It happens. I just, a I lot. just don't know who else is going to give turner the contract well and there there we've talked about this just the other day i think about the dodgers having money come off the books i don't see how they don't bring him back too which is why right now i'm operating as though trey's my number one j ram's my number two otani's my number three yeah i mean i think here's the thing like it's such it's going to be such like a like top heavy first round that give me pick six seven or eight 
and I'm yeah. going to be pretty happy. Like, there's yeah, so like many they, guys. Get Cal Tucker in the middle of the draft or something. You know, middle Julio Rodriguez. Like, I mean, like, there's just so many, you know. Let me ask you about Julio real quick before we get into mm-hmm. these second half followers. It was a concerted effort to slow him down on the bases for his health. How much of a concern is that for next year when you consider that he went 21 for 26 in the first half and four for six in the second half for J-Rod? And again, that was purposeful by them. Yes, he played 50 fewer games, but they explicitly said, we are slowing him down. We want to take care of him. Yeah, I'm not as worried. Like, I mean, maybe that, maybe that, and I, I think, I mean, just the, the potential of a sophomore slump maybe bumps him down to the back end of the first round, but I still think he's back into the first round type of guy. I mean, it's just, the upside is so great with him. I just don't know how you don't, you know, when he, if he's sitting there, like how you don't, I mean, we were, Luis Robert was still going in the back end of the first round. Yeah. In spite of his injury issues and, you know, and, so I like be, yeah, I have a I hard think, time passing J Rod too, and it's like it's not like he's not going to get any steals either. Yes, they yeah. might slow him down again in the second half or or even in the first, and be like, okay, don't go too crazy. But I still think he can get himself even even if he's like like an eighteen to twenty steal guy instead of trying to chase down thirty the way we thought he was going to get this year, which was twenty five. Well, let's let's take ten off. What if he's only fifteen steals next year, but thirty five homers? Do I really care? I mean, isn't that better than? Uh, or just the same as Kyle Tucker, where you're saying top half of the first, so you know, and, and potentially better exactly. with you know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's at least back into the second or first round. Like, but this again, the reason why, like, if if I have a choice, if you do KDS, you get to pick your draft slot. Um, I think I want to be in the middle to back end of that, you know, first round. I I I think this is going to be. Next 2023 is going to be a year where there's just so much talent at the top end that give me two guys in the top 25 as opposed to one guy in the top 25. Yeah, I think that's fair. The talent is rich. We've seen a boon. Um, I don't know if any of these guys will be involved, though, because the second half falloffs for these guys were sharp. I am curious how you feel about them now and, and how much the bad second half changes your outlook on them. We've got 11 players that had some pretty substantial fall-offs here. Let's start with the single biggest fall-off if a qual- if the qualifier was 200 plate appearances. If you get to like 150, which is what I initially ran it on, um, G-Man, Choi, Victor Carantini have a little bit bigger drops. But if it's 200-plus plate appearances uh, as the threshold, C.J. Crone a colossal fall off. And I'm not hearing much chatter about it. Surprisingly. Remember he was the talk of the town in the first half, just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Remember when nobody could hit home runs, but him for the first few months, like, Oh, power's way down. Everything sucks. CJ Crone's like, Oh, is the ball different? Cause I'm out here crushing 13 homers in the first two months. Justin, he went from a 134 WRC plus in the first half to 52 in the second half. The home runs dropped from 21 to eight. And yes, there are, it's not equal halves. I I grant that I'll extrapolate his eight homers to the same 381 plate appearances from the first half. It only gets him to 12. So you're still minus nine. He's hitting 199 in the second half after 298 in the first. What the hell happened to CJ Crone? I I don't know. (laughs) Um, like there's nothing in the numbers that 
like really jump out to me as like, hey, this is why he fell off. Um, I it's quite a dip. I mean, I guess like you know, part of it was he was just running really, really hot in the sure. Out. I, I but did, he didn't just come back to you know solid old CJ Crone. He went to dog crap. Well. Okay, 199, so 263, 345. In, in the first half, he had a 358 Babbitt. Okay, that, in, that's not going to sustain. In the second half, he had a 236 Babbitt. So he literally went guardrail to guardrail. It was far yeah, too like, high in the first half, and 236 is too low for a guy like him, too. For Crow. Yeah, so I I mean, the fact that he's hit eight home runs, because like, I haven't seen like a massive change in his launch angle or, you know, hard hit percentage or his contact rates have actually been better in the second half. Like he's got an 89% zone contact rate. I think he's getting unlucky in the second half. Um, it sounds like it with a 236. Yeah. So like, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he was running really well in the first half and then he got that shit ended of the luck on in the second half. And I think, so the the kind of the true talent is somewhere in between. We're talking about a guy who's probably like a two fifty hitter um, with thirty home runs, which is at the end of the year is going to be what is like. So like I, I think if people start freaking out about look at the second half drop off um, and he dips because of it, I'll buy that dip. Like I just I will. I mean he's still in Colorado. Um, he, you know he's just he's a he's a good hitter I, I think the question on prone is is always health like is he gonna be able to play enough games and this year he has so like why would i be worried about it for next year i think he's a, a fine pick at first base yeah cj crone was the 12th hitter drafted off the uh, 12th first baseman excuse me off the board in the main event uh actually hang on is this main events there were not 1300 main events please hold there were 47 main events. He was the eighth first baseman in the main event. And now he is the seventh first baseman uh, on the player Raider. So he basically panned out to what was expected uh, despite the disparate halves. In Roto, all you care about is the bottom line. It feels yeah. like it's more impactful that he wasn't doing great for you in the first in the second half because of how good the first half was. But you still have to go off the bottom line that you projected. And you were hoping for 30, 100, and he's at 29, 102 with a 259 average for CJ Crone. So I'm with you. I think in the end, he's been pretty good. Uh, let's hype up this second half fall off so we can try to build a discount. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I will I will spend the offseason saying do not panic about this second half fall off. I, I'm not worried about first half, second half split with him. I'm more concerned with the home road splits. Like he's just, you know, he has just been bad. You know, 22 of his 29 home runs have been at home. Yeah, pretty stereotypical. Uh, been, yeah, so like guy here for Crone. You know, you just want to be able to when they have, you know, a way serious to be able to sit him for someone else. But I think other than that, like, I think he's fine. Like, if people start getting concerned, like I'm, I, like I said, I, I will buy that dip. Yeah, I think that's fair too. Um, if we see Crone fall in out of the top 10, like I said, he was eight in the main event. If he is going as the 12th, 13th first baseman. That's a buying opportunity. Let's talk Raphael Devers because uh, th this is getting a lot more chatter because of how stark it was and his status before that. Now, he hasn't been quite as bad in the second half, a 94 WRC plus, so just below average. But he was at a 170 in the first half. So it's a 76-point drop-off. Only five homers, 20 runs, 33 ribbies uh, in the second half with a 250, 325, 392. Sub 400 slug in the second half is pretty brutal for uh uh for Raphael Devers as well. 
What do you make of what's going on with him? And does the drop off from 22 homers in the first half to five in the second uh, cause panic for you? Oh, I mean, the extrapolated total would be eight, by the way, just so we get the samples similar. But 22 to eight is still a massive, massive, massive fall off for Devers. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like, I don't see a ton that I'm super worried about. Um, again, it's like a huge Babbitt uh, disparity, you know. So, first half Babbitt 352, uh, second half Babbitt 295. Um, okay. Yeah, that is pretty I, big. Although the 295 it shouldn't be a little bit better than because like, that's pretty just whatever. Yeah, probably a little bit better. Um, you know the yeah the contact rates are actually a little bit better in in the second half um, than they were in the first. Like, I, oh, wow. So like maybe it's a matter of like it just was a matter of time. Like he was just he was getting really lucky in the first half, and I think. Again, I think he's probably he is what he is, like at, at, you know, but maybe he's just a little bit below that. So like he's gonna finish the year with thirty home runs, two ninety six. Maybe he's more of a thirty homer, two eighty guy. Um, sure, I'm looking at it for Devers right now, though. I'd go even further. Look at the August. It's just August. One sixty four, two twenty six, two eighty nine was his line with three homers. He had a one seventy three BABIP in August. It seems like he ran. Ice, ice cold for a month. Now, that doesn't fully explain the power outage, though, because he only has two homers in September slash October. So there was still a power outage even after the August flop. But I do think this is a situation where this could get overblown and create a Devers discount that we could pounce on. Now, he was the second third baseman off the board this year as a top 20 pick. He's probably only going to drop into, like, the 30s or 40s at most, right? With Devers, um, it kind of depends on the other guys. Like, you know, maybe you know Austin Riley will probably go ahead of him now. Machado right. probably goes ahead of him. J Ram yes. probably goes ahead of him. Does Bobby Witt Jr. go ahead of him? I, I was going to ask. What about Arenado? I know he's old, I, but I think you can make the argument. It. I don't think Arenado will just because he's older. Yeah, um, but he probably deserves to. Like, I, I honestly think I'm probably going to be part of the the Devers fade unless the price drops too much. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think Devers. I think the, there's an argument that Devers isn't a top five third baseman next year. And um, yeah, it'll be a fade more due to other folks than it will be like an mm-hmm. anti Devers take. But I'm with you. Yeah, I just uh, it's uh, very. I mean, third base still sucks. So like. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm not saying like I'm going to avoid drafting Devers because I think you want one of those guys at the top of the pool. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I, I would definitely at this point, obviously not having done my offseason research yet, but at this point, if I was drafting today and there's a chance I draft next week or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, I would take J Ram above him, Machado above him, Riley above him, probably. Bobby Witt Jr. ahead of him. And I think there's a real, like I said, a real argument for Arenado. Over Devers, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to see where the Devers fall off lies. I think there's still going to be his core believers that aren't going to go anywhere. And I totally get that. If you're one of those people, stay the course. It makes sense. I think it really is one bad month with him. Uh, the price is going to fully dictate my interest in Devers. Mm-hmm. And I might be inclined to just wait on the position. If he comes down far enough, though, 
I'll be in on Devers. Let's go back yeah. to first base. Talk about Josh Bell. The trade has not worked out for him. Josh Bell was the 10th first baseman off the board uh, this year with Washington. And of course, that's a solid park to pitch in or hit in, excuse me. And then he gets part, you know, he's part of the uh, Juan Soto deal. He goes from a 149 WRC plus in the first half to just an 81 in the second half. Now, is that simple regression or something more? Uh, he's hitting 196. Yes, the Babips are down. You know, another big Babip drop, 99 point dip. But he's hitting 196, 315, 292. The power is out as well. What are we doing with Josh Bell uh, in? Well, not in San Diego necessarily because we don't know where he's going to be. So I guess that's a big part of it too. But what's up with Josh Bell? Does this second half fall off concern you? Uh, another one of these huge splits between Babips in, in the first half and the second half. You've got a 333 Babip in, in the first half. Uh, in the second half, he's 234. Um, so like a huge, huge split there. Uh, you know, his, his contact rates... Uh, are you know right around the same um he's he's swinging less uh than he did before like i don't know if this was an approach change that the padres like asked him to kind of incorporate hey take more walks and you know, don't be so aggressive in the zone but it is not working for him no uh, i mean his his overall swing rate just dropped from 48 percent to 42 percent uh in zone uh he is swinging five percent less uh, he's swinging outside of the zone less, which is great. Like you want to see that, um, you know, but you want to see him swinging more in the zone. So, I, I mean, this is a bit concerning, and he will likely not be on um, on the Padres next yeah, year. Yeah, Josh Bell's a free agent, so we'll see. You know, where he lands obviously plays a, a, a big role in in how people are going to feel about him, but. Um, mm-hmm. He is now down to the 18th first baseman on the season. And his first, you know, his first half has not been enough to sustain him up there because he only has 17 homers at first base and 71 ribbies. And we also have to remember, too, he went from a really good hitter's park to kind of a neutral or closer to a pitcher's park in Petco. Um Petco seems to change every year in terms of what 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 it actually plays like. But um I think he's one of those guys where he I don't want to say he doesn't have like real power because he does. Like you look at like when he hits the ball hard, he hits the ball hard, but like he was definitely aided, I think by that nationals park. Um, so I, 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 I'm not surprised. There's a little bit of a drop off. Now, if he was like, depending on where he ends up, if he drops, like if he's the 18th first baseman off the board, I'm all for that because I, I mean, he, we know he's got 35 homer power in that bat. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I'll take the gamble if there's a huge drop. Especially because, like I said, the contact rates didn't really change. This was, an, I think, an approach uh, change that has been a mistake. Um, so I, I would be willing to buy back in, especially if, if there's going to be a big discount. I think there will be a big discount. I, th- I think so, too. I, I don't know if he goes all the way down to 18 for Josh Bell. But um, looking at the guys ahead of him, you know, there's a few that I, I – don't think we'll necessarily like Luis arises here because he, he qualifies at first. I think you can move him off there. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, I think it's a toss up. Um, Ty France will be more of a second baseman. Jake Cronenworth, probably more of a middle infielder drafted as well. But he, you know, if you're looking at 13, 14th, 
first baseman for Josh Bell. I think that's a reasonable spot to buy. Let me ask you on one guy, Josh Bell or Rowdy Telez. Let's put Josh Bell in a more neutral <laughs> site. Who are you going to go with there? Rowdy as Telez, long 30, as 34 homers and a 219 average on the year. As long as Telez is still in Milwaukee. If, you know, like, and I know this seems weird, but like Milwaukee is a cheap team. Like I could see them try to like flip him or, I mean, would be weird to see them non-tender him after this kind of year. But we've seen this before with the aforementioned CJ Cron would come yeah. off a 30 home run season and then get getting DFA'd. Chris Carter. Um, yeah. So I think you've got to go to Les, especially because I think he I think he will stay on that Milwaukee team and have kind of the same role uh this year. He seems like a fan favorite and a in a clubhouse favorite. So um I don't know that they want to jettison a guy like him out, out of that locker room. So uh, I think it's Telez, um, and uh, but I think it all depends on the price. Like, you know, the 18th yeah. first baseman off the board was Anthony Rizzo, um, and he went at pick 181. Um, so I could that, see Bell getting down there then. But that was like the demarcation of a huge drop off because the 17th first baseman, Ty France, went at 150. Oh, um, okay. So like the difference between you know, the 14th first baseman and the 18th first baseman shouldn't seem like a lot, but it was 50 picks. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's a huge difference, I think, um, for the potential on Josh Bell. Like, if he's 50-pick difference from Rowdy Tellez, give me Josh Bell every time. I think that's fair, too. Yep. If we are seeing a pick split there, I, too, would go Bell over Tellez. But if they're pretty close... I'm leaning to Les. That was a guy I really like this year. I like what he's done. Obviously, the average is coming in light at uh, at 219, but I'll take the 34 homers. Mm -hmm. I was never planning on huge batting average from him anyway. And as we've stated all year, batting averages, your thresholds are lower this year. 219 is still tough, but it's not murdering your team the way previous years that absolutely would have. So um, that's that's where we're at with, uh, with Josh Bell. Let's go Cattell Marte. Talk a bit about him. And what he's done this year, he has a 63-point split, first half to second half, 128 down to a 65 WRC plus with four homers, 226, or excuse me, 195 average, 257 OBP, 345 slug for Cattell Marte. Just major, major issues here in the second half. Um, obviously on the IL right now, health has been a major concern. You can probably put some blame for the second half dip on health, but you also have to acknowledge that health continues to be a problem. Uh, sub 200 averages in August and September, zero homers in August, just two in September. What do we do with a uh, sputtering to the finish line and not even going to get there? Because again, he's on the aisle. Cattell Marte. So Marte, I mean, it's, the big difference uh, is one of the same differences that uh, we've seen with all these other guys, right? Huge BABIP difference. Uh, in the first half versus the second half, a 310 mm -hmm. BABIP in the second or in the first half, a 226 BABIP in the second half. Uh, it, with you know, the stack has data looking pretty similar. Um, uh, the uh, you know, underlying skills in terms of like his contact rates look very similar. Um, so I mean, it's it's really BABIP driven. I think the biggest issue is what you kind of mentioned, um, originally, which is. He has not been able to stay healthy. I mean, you know, he's a guy that uh, has now finished on the IL or pretty much finished on the IL each of the last four seasons. Um, 
And I just don't know that he's the difference maker that we thought he was going to be, especially in the speed department when he's coming up. I was one of the biggest Cattell Marte fans out there, uh, you know, when he was in Seattle and coming up. And, um, yeah, I just I think at this point, people are still dreaming on the thought that he could be the guy we wanted him to be. Um, and not paying for the guy that he actually is. Yeah, he's the number one. Uh, Cattell Marte is like the number one case in point that steals are a player's decision as much as anything. Yeah. Because he's had the speed from day one and no interest in using it in that capacity. And I wonder how much of that is related to his consistent health issues as well. So he's uh, 46 for 60 in his career. His career. And he's been around for a while now. This is 3,303 3, plate appearances. And uh, Gnostic Baseball says in the chat, let Marte be someone else's problem. And that's really where I'm at, too. And that's where I was coming into the season. While I like the player, and uh, he's another guy that I have a lot of uh, love via MLB The Show because his cards are always awesome. So I, I love Cattell Marte. But I couldn't get to drafting him this year because I just felt like we're going to go through the same rigmarole again, and we did. It took a lot longer. He played 90 games last year, 137 this year, but same old, same old. And this year, all he got was a 240 average instead of a 318. So there will be a discount. I don't think it will be steep enough for me to get back on the Cattell Marte train next year. He was the 10th second baseman off the board at pick 87 last year in the main event. Where do you think Cattell Marte goes next year and by the way he lost that outfield eligibility he was second base dh only this year so he loses that extra eligibility what what kind of price do you think he's going to look at is he outside the top 100 oh yeah he's got to be outside top 100 i, I, I mean i think i i think he would have to be i 29th at second base this year with that batting average yeah and, and, and second base is not going to be as bad as it was coming into this year. I, I think second base is going to be a little bit thicker, especially at the bottom. I think there's just interesting totally dirt agree. throws. Plus Jimenez, are- yeah, Jimenez broke out. Brandon Drury broke out. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where he goes. If he goes to another good hitting spot, Tyro Estrada, who we talked about the other day. Ty France fully broke out. Jeff McNeil returned. Luis Arise is building a lot of confidence for people. Josh Rojas, Nico Horner. I can keep going, but like that's that's the point that you're trying to say is like there's a bunch of guys down there and they're all kind of the same, but mm-hmm. he's in that Mikatel Marte's in that group now too. He's not yeah. setting himself apart from that group. Plus, if you're gonna take if you're gonna take a shot on a bounce back guy, like wouldn't you rather take it on Whit Merrifield or Trevor Story or Baez? Um, Have you seen Baez. what Baez has been doing in the yeah. set last month here? Amayu, like Muncie, like there's just so many other guys I think that are better opportunities on the buyback uh, than Cattell Marte. And so, yeah, I, I agree with Gnostic Baseball. Like, let it be someone else's problem. Uh, you know, just, yeah, I'm that's just exactly, not. That's exactly the right thing. I mean, here's the thing. Going back to your point about it being, you know, stolen bases being a thing that are really team or player dependent, the Diamondbacks are seventh in Major League Baseball in stolen bases this year. And Marte's and not running. Five yeah. for six. Yeah. So it's not a it's not necessarily a team thing. I no, mean, it's a play. That's what I mean. That's what I said. It's yeah. a player choice. I yeah, really he, think that he just isn't interested in it. Maybe he doesn't think he's good at. It. I don't know what it is with Cattell Marte. I do know, and I feel confident in saying that it is a choice that he does yeah. not want to do that. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next guy here. Not as grim of a story, 
with Alejandro Kirk. This is this is somewhat in the Devers category where his second half is about average. He's at a 97 WRC plus. So you're not losing your mind. Uh, but it was a 155 in the second half or in the first half, excuse me. So it's a 58 point drop for Kirk. So it does stand out, and you will hear some narratives about it in the offseason. He's down to a 249 average, 343 OBP, 323 slug. Where has the power gone for Alejandro Kirk? Just three homers in this second half. That's been the big issue. Of course, being a catcher, the thresholds are low. So he's still the fifth catcher on the season. Like This has been undeniably a great season, but I do think we'll hear some breakdown of his first second half. He went from the 10th catcher. Uh, he was 10th catcher off the board at pick 202. Obviously, that's going way up. Will he be a top five catcher off the board? What do you think Alejandro Kirk's breakout season does for his draft price next year, especially with a catcher boon uh, this year, which I'm going to be writing about here soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that article. Catcher really exploded this year. How does that affect Kirk with his ugly second half, or modest second half, let's say? Yeah, it's. I mean, he's still 97 WRC+. plus. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to overstate it. Like, yeah, I mean, um, there have been just like small – like declines in terms of the skills, like you know, the the exit velocity is a little bit down, the contact skills are a little bit down, still elite, especially for a catcher. Um, you know, I mean, he's still like a ninety percent zone contact guy, which is unreal for a for a catcher. Like, I think he's still top five catcher. I absolutely think he's still top five catcher. Like, he's he's gonna be yeah. you know playing pretty regularly in that um, that Blue Jays lineup. Uh, dude can just flat out hit. Um, you know, and I think he's made a few strides, a little bit of strides as a catcher this year defensively. So like, I think that helped. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's absolutely a um, top five catcher. Somebody in two catcher leagues you should be considering uh, probably in the top hundred picks. Um, and uh, in one catcher leagues, like he is probably the first guy I'm really going to start targeting um, to, to, you know, usually I, I wait, but like, I think if if he's like a guy who's like the sixth or seventh catcher off the off the board, I'm gonna hammer that even in one catcher league. So I think um, so too with Kirk. So Real Muto, mm-hmm. Adley, Will yeah. Smith, yeah. Varsho. Yeah. Those four. Mm-hmm. I think are definitely ahead of Kirk for me. For now I'll, I'll qu- question you on these ones. Sal Perez or Alejandro Kirk. Hmm. I think I'm going to go Kirk. It's a better team, a better, um, a younger, better health record, like better park, better park a division, yeah. not as difficult or that not as big of a concern anymore because you're not playing 19 games against everybody with the new schedule next year. You know, Sal Perez has been fine this year, 2376 with a 254 average. Nobody's upset about that. He has been, despite missing the time, he's been fourth. He's actually been the fourth catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if defensive points, Gnostic Baseball points out that, you know, he's played 77 games at DH 50. Most leagues that don't matter with the defense. We just need him to get yeah. 20 games to qualify the next year. So I think Perez is a toss up. What about the, uh, what about Wilson Contreras or Kirk? Ooh, we don't know where Contreras is going to be. But I, I, I think, yeah, I think it, right I, now. I have a feeling like Wilson Contreras can be back in Chicago. Like I, they didn't like, trade why, him. So they didn't trade him. Like I, why that's what I'm thinking. I mean, they didn't get much for uh, for Bryant and Rizzo necessarily. So, like, what you know, they're willing to take what they got for those guys. Like, why not trade Contreras? I think he's probably back in Chicago, which I think is a good thing for him. Um, 
that's really, really close. I, I mean, I think you put Kirk, uh, Wilson Contreras, uh, William Contreras, and mm-hmm. Sal Sean Perez. Uh, Sean Murphy, if he gets moved, I really want him out of Oakland. Like he just yeah, being, that park's, being, park's brutal. The park's brutal. The roster around him is brutal. Did you know I batted five games at cleanup for them? Like that. What pisses like, me off though is you didn't tell me, so I didn't see any yeah. of them. I had to watch them on replay. Yeah. And you had that one double, which I, it sorry. was a single with an error, bro. Get real, mm-hmm. but they gave you a double. It, you played well, but like I don't know why you didn't promote it. I guess you were kind of mm-hmm. embarrassed that you were on the wrong Bay so, Area team. But yeah, that was awesome. You got to hit fifth for a few games there. That was dope. So throw in Cal <laughs> Raleigh, throw in MJ yes. Melendez. So I'm gonna revert what I said about one catcher leagues. I want the last guy. Just give me the last guy. Like I, I you know, it, it absolutely runs at least ten deep, if not fifteen deep. I'm gonna have a list of like in my ten and twelve team one catcher leagues. I'm gonna have a list of the ten or twelve guys I like, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circle the last one I'm willing to take um, yeah, that I would feel really go good there. about, and just wait for that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unless. You know, unless I'm getting real moots at a huge discount because of stolen bases. So, um, yeah, I just I, – I, I like Kirk a lot, but uh, – In one catcher, I'm taking Tyler Stevenson. Like, I, that's I, think he, I think he's going to be on a discount mm-hmm. because of the injuries, and I get it. I'm just going to run that back there. So I feel you on that. But two catcher leagues, I am going to pay, and I'm going to be in that star pool. And I, I'm open to getting Kirk. Do not freak out over the second half. If you see the price dropping or the narrative being shifted or, or shaped about that second half, let people buy into that. Lower his price as much as you can and take any discount you can get on, or discount relative because he is going up in price no matter what. Alejandro Kirk was a 200 uh, pick 202 last year in the main event. He's going at least 100 picks higher than that, if not more. For context, Yasmani Grandal was pick 116 this past mm-hmm. year. I think he can go a little bit higher than that, Kirk can, because he's a bat- yeah. bat- batting average type guy. So I think between 90 and 110 is where Kirk mm-hmm. goes, I think. so. That, I'm, fine dude, I'm, I'm, f- I'm fine paying that price. Gnostic Baseball just said he dropped me in his home league, um, and then he's sorry. I, I Don't be sorry, man. you got to do what you got to do to win. Like, this is... This is a time of year, like you know, the last month has been the time of year where you got to make hard cuts. And if you There's had to cut context me, too, you couldn't no, get ribbies. Nobody's on base when you're batting. Yeah, it's fine. It's to- totally fine. Let's stay behind the dish. Talk Jonah Heim, a player that we were hyping up early in the season because he was playing very well, had a wonderful first half, still ending up with a pretty solid catching season to be sure. Uh, we were recommending him in two catcher leagues, and he's the 13th catcher off the board. So even if you play 10-teamer, you're loving that. But he did go from a 121 WRC plus in the first half to just a 66 in the second half. A 174, 276, 291 slash line in the second half for Heim is pretty egregiously bad. Another BABIP guy for sure going from 284 to 203. But the power outage as well. You can't just go off BABIP and say, oh, you know, that that's all it is and move on. I mean, it's a disastrous August and September. 141 average with a 161 BABIP in August, 156, 163 in September. He just, it just wasn't working. What happened with Jonah Heim? Was this just a bad, bad run? Or is there reasons to be concerned and maybe we fade him next year, even though the price won't be too expensive? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is a bad run. Um, I feel like he's been trying to hit for power. Like he got this power spike and all of a sudden, like he's trying to lift the ball. The launch angle is up, you know, a little bit. Um, 
and uh in in that he's not making as much like good contact so when he is trying you know when he does get the he's not barreling the ball so like he's he makes contact in the zone his zone contacts 89% which is up 2% from uh the first half of the season but when he's making that contact in the zone it's not hard contact like the hard hit rates down um, it feels like a guy who's probably trying to press a little bit and is trying to capitalize and kind of continue the hot streak going. Um, you know, the hard part, like, is Garver back next year? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you know, back healthy, uh, though Garver never stays healthy, so maybe it's not True. as big of a concern. Um, yeah, I don't think he registers as a top 12 uh, catcher next year, but I think no. he is. I think he's in. I think he's in the like, kind of context of like a C two, uh, like a high end C two. So like you know, even in twelve or fifteen team leagues, he'd probably be like my 16th, 17th catcher, a guy that I'm not uh, like I'm not actively seeking to get necessarily, but not a guy that I'm afraid to get either. Like I think he's going to be a pretty solid guy. Uh, because, like I said, Garver, it's not like we can trust Garver to stay healthy. And I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised to see the Rangers use Garver more as a DH than really as a catcher to try yep. to protect his health anyway. So, yeah, let him, Heim, let him just hit. Yeah, so Jonah Heim, like, I think he's fine. Like, I think he's, yeah, the second half tail off sucks, but, like, the contact numbers are still pretty good. And um, I'm, I'm not super worried, like, you're just not going to get anywhere close to what you saw in the first half. I think he's just, I think he's a little bit closer to that second half than he is the first. Yeah. And you know, I don't think the price is going to be any, anything egregious at all. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be in this twenties among catchers for Jonah Heim. So if you want to buy back, feel free to do so. You can definitely get that done. I did cut a couple names off the end of the list there just because I didn't think they were as impactful here. So we got three more names as we, uh, uh, you know, about quarter, of the hour left here. Harold Ramirez was somebody that was always kind of interesting, even when he was crushing. Cause he's one of those guys that despite having the really strong uh, WRC plus, there wasn't a ton of fantasy goodness there, but he was undoubtedly having a strong first half during which he put up a 142 WRC plus, but he's down to 88 here in the second half, 263, 292, 350 with just two homers. Now we only had four homers in the first half. And he was four homers, three steals, three for seven on the bases, by the way. Literally got caught more than he was successful. 370 BABIP in the first half, 323 in the second half. So it is a big BABIP drop, but probably not enough to explain why he's falling apart here. Uh, What's up with Harold Ramirez? And if you look at it, it's really just been September because his August was, was perfectly solid. But he's down to a 214 average with just one homer in September, October. Uh, is Harold Ramirez just a batting average guy who's always at the mercy of BABIP or is, was there something here that, uh, might be a bigger breakout next year? Um, I mean, yes, I think that's true. I think he is kind of like a, an average guy. I also think that because of the injuries to Tampa Bay, they haven't been able to optimize them the way they were in the first half, like when they were super healthy. Right. So he's hitting 360 against lefties this year and two eighties against righties. Um, he is meant to be kind of a lefty killer, yeah. Uh, and they just don't have the depth that they that they had at the beginning of the season that they usually have because of all the injuries they've had this year. So he Especially to the outfield specifically. Mm-hmm. So you look at, you know, like you said, he's been struggling in September. He's been playing every game in September. Doesn't matter if right-handers up or left-handers up. They don't have the ability to platoon the way they usually do. So. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that is the real issue, is that he shouldn't be playing every day versus righties, and he is, and that's dragging down the rest of his numbers. Why are they batting him fourth, though? I know, like, lineups, you don't, you don't want to overrate it because the, the data says that lineup uh, construction is not the end of the world. However, there are optimal lineups and suboptimal. Yes, you can pick him out of a hat and still have a good, good performance, but you can still optimize it. I just don't understand why he's. You also just get so many more plate point. appearances batting that high up, like, and you want your better players to have more plate appearances. So, like, I, I guess I, that I goes back to the injuries, though, too, because I don't know that Margot, David Peralta, Christian Bethencourt, Taylor Walls, or Jose Siri necessarily deserve the spot. So, I think it. it yeah. You're right. It, it. It. It's just because they're injuries and they suck. And so. I, I'm like, he's a guy that could. Like he probably will stick around in Tampa, but they're also going to bring in a bunch of new faces. And yes. So who knows? They can start like, costing him PT. Yeah. So that's that's Harold Ramirez. Is still going to be a late round pick. I don't think it, this season is going to raise his price in any real tangible way. The batting average is nice, but I don't think it's super bankable. So if you want Harold Ramirez next year, you'll still be able to get him at a pretty uh, fair price. Let's talk Ty France. We briefly mentioned him earlier. This is another guy. Put him in the. Devers Kirk category where his second half is not disastrous 97 WRC plus but the batting average is down to 229 and he was at a 149 WRC plus in the plus in the first half but then like I said the dip in batting average is the biggest part 229 287 396 slash with nine homers uh there was a wrist injury for Ty France that certainly played a role I think and uh, other than that I think it was just kind of regression back down because when you have a big first half like that, there really is nowhere to go but down, usually, unless you're just going to have a dream season. So I'm not too worried about this one. It's another clear BABIP dip, a 106-point BABIP drop for Ty France. Is there anything more to it than that, or was it just the particularly bad August when he hit 177 with the 179? Uh, and if so, if, if it's not a huge issue, are you looking to buy Ty France next year? Yeah, I think I am. They really like him. Uh, and As they like, should. Yeah, and France, I mean, like you said, it's just a huge BABIP difference. There, I mean, there is a little bit of, you know, degrading of skills from the first half to the second half. Um, but that's just because he was so elite in the first half. I mean, he had like an almost 95% zone contact, which is unheard of. So like, like him's dropping to 91 or 92% in the second half. Uh, yeah, 91.3 in the second half. Like, that's still really, really good. Um, I just don't know that we're ever going to get like the monster tie France breakout. Like, I just I don't think that's ever happening. I was but hoping I, that this was the year, but yeah, yeah he, he came back to earth and he's had but a great I think, season. I think he's just a better version than Yandi Diaz. Like, that's I think he yeah. is, he is a you know, corner infielder, uh, type. Um, though I, I think what second you said second base eligibility. He had second year. base eligibility this year. Let's see if he's. He won't. He first, first base only. Next first year, only. So. so that that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. So I, second base I, eligibility was nice. I think he is like. Uh, I think he is just a little bit better version of Yandy Diaz. Like a, a, you know. So yeah. I mean, he's probably not even a top two hundred pick. I think he's a guy you pivot to if you need batting average towards the end. Wait, of the wait, wait. I think he's still a top two hundred pick. Or do you think losing the second base is going to push? Because he was 184 last year. I, I think he'll still be at least in. I don't know that his draft price will drop. Right? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he, he lost batting average from 291 to 275, but, you know, hit 20 homers in 
He's not going to have 400. Yeah, he's not going to. But, I mean, you have to – injuries, you know, you've got to kind of factor that into what you think you can get from him. He was the 15th – he's the 15th first baseman off the board this year. Um, you know, 15th first baseman off the board. You know, puts him kind of in that spot that we were talking about with Josh Bell. Like, who would you rather have, Ty France or Josh Bell? I'm going to take Bell. Um, unless I need the batting average. It's probably, it's probably team context, but – um, I think I'm leaning Bell because I think the upside's greater, especially with the power. I, I can see mm-hmm. that. I could see that. Um, if France is cheaper than he's been in recent, like if he if he drops from the price that he's at this year, which was 180s, I'm definitely going to be in on that. But other than that, I, I think losing that second base really hurts. That's what I love yeah. about France this year was I was putting him as my second baseman, so I didn't need nearly as much power. Right, like you're totally fine with 20 homers from second base, but 18 or uh, 15 to 20 homers from first base, that's a different story entirely. So that is a big hit to Ty France. There's also like at first base, there's going to be guys that like right now aren't like where they're out in the player radar, you know, is outside the top, you know, 15, but they're clearly going to be in the top 15. Andrew Vaughn's going to be a really, really like you know trendy pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Max Muncy should back uh, bounce back up into Big that time. top fifteen. Yeah. Gisela May is going to bounce back up into that top fifteen. Jose Miranda is going to be another really trendy mm, pick. Yeah, um, Jose so, Miranda like, has a Thai France vibe to him though, doesn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. He absolutely does. But I think he's but take the younger he's, version. He's of younger. That. He's playing. He's also third base eligible. Yes, third. Like, yeah. So it, like, I think all those guys are going to jump over him. Where maybe France. I think at best France goes where he was going last year, which was 18th uh, or 17th, 18th first baseman off the board. Um, but I think there's, I think there's potential in a lot of drafts for him to go outside the top 200, which, I, like I said, I'm fine with. Like you know, especially if I feel like my power is pretty good at first base, um, mm-hmm. he would be a really interesting CI to boost their batting average because it's going to be a really good team. The Maris team is just going to get better and better and better, um, and. No doubt. You know, he has fantastic bat to ball skills. And I don't want to bury him with the, like, bury the idea that Ty France couldn't have that breakout season. Like, I think exactly when you have the elite bat to ball skills that Ty France does, one tweak, you know, maybe they load the ball again. Um, all of a sudden, like, if we got a happy fun ball again, Ty France would be like one of the biggest benefactors of that hundred uh, percent so yeah i think that he makes such good contact yeah so while i probably sound a little down on france like i think he is a fine pick where he's probably gonna go okay i can i can certainly get behind uh i can certainly get behind that uh with regards to tie france and i don't think that the price is going to be egregious in any way so that way if you do want to get in price is going to be right for tie france what about this next guy, J.D. Martinez? Is it is it over for him as as a premium player? Uh, and will the name value finally wear off, or will a second straight doubles title keep people interested in, in saying, "Oh, he can get back to the power because he's still crushing doubles," as opposed to the other thing, which is the power's fading, so the homers are turning into doubles, which is what I think it is. He'll be thirty five next year. Um, he wasn't bad. But he only hit 14 homers this year. Like that is pretty rough at at util um, from somebody like JD Martinez. 
He dropped from 137 WRC plus to 85 with just five second half homers and a 229 batting average. Babbitt, again, has been a huge drop for everybody here, 382 to 291, but there's a power outage too. So you can't just say Babbitt and move on. What's up with JD and is his power officially gone as a premier, you know, power 25 plus home run hitter? Um, I think it's over. I think I think this is the end for, for JD Martinez. Now you're also talking about he's going to be a free agent. Is yep. he even going to have a full-time role in his next spot? Um, yeah. Is he going to have to try to go get like a Nelson Cruz type deal uh, to try to, uh, you know, kind of a pillow kind of deal to see if he can prove it again? Um, do we want him in a new location outside of Fenway, outside of uh, the AL East, where you get to hit in, you know, those great parks? Um, you look at, you know, I mean, the thing I've said over and over and over again in this episode is there's not much difference between first half, second half. Um, there is a big difference, like uh, here in, in the contact skills. We've seen a swing strike rate go up. We saw the zone contact rate drop from 82.7% down to 78.6%. Um, that is from that means it's from below average because average uh, you know, league average is about 84% down mm-hmm. to like really really bad. Like those are really really bad contact numbers. Um, I think the bat has slowed down. Um, and uh, while he can still get a hold of one every once in a while, I think it's I think the lack of contact within the zone um, and just a little bit slower bat is it, yeah. I think this may be the end, and maybe he retires. Like maybe he just says, "Hey, I got my sure. last bag. I, I I can I can walk away." Um, but yeah, if he is back, like I think there are going to be a lot of people um, trying to buy like a really big dip. I don't think I'll be one of them. Like I think he's. Yeah. I, think I think he's cooked. I think this is done. Especially with Util only because he came in this year with the outfield mm-hmm. eligibility, which really helped J.D. Martinez. But uh, he's full the age this year, 137 games. And yeah. I just don't see a lot of hope for the future that he's going to rise back up. I love J.D. somebody that obviously broke out with Detroit, which uh, made me an instant fan. I'll be rooting for him, but it'll be on somebody else's team. I, mm-hmm. I don't. Even with a, a sharp price change, I, I don't really see myself going for JD Martinez next year. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely not uh, not necessarily looking his way. So there they are. There's the second half fall offs, some major ones, some medium ones, and, and some guys that we're not really worried about at all. And uh, one other guy I wanted to mention real quick because you did mm-hmm. bring him up at first base. Andrew Vaughn almost made this list. He had a pretty big drop off himself. I wonder if that's going to give anybody pause because he's been another guy that's been like. Give us the breakout. You know, he's uh, he, he's somebody who's a growth profile. And after the big first half, it looked like he was going to have the big breakout. Now, you kind of compare this year to last year, wasn't as big of a jump for him. Um, you still think people are going to be pretty interested in him next year as a 25-year-old for Andrew Vaughn? I would think so because, I mean, you have to think uh, Jose Abreu's gone, right? And Yeah. Um, and Vaughn can just play first base full time. And, uh, you know, he's got the pedigree. I, I'm going to be in on Vaughn. I mean, obviously, I'm going to do a, a, a deeper dive and stuff, uh, you know, in the offseason to kind of solidify that. But, um, you know, I mean, he uh, he's super young. There's a lot of talent in that bet. I think he's going to finally get to just play first base full time next year. Um, he literally went to high school within walking distance of my house. Um, like there's just a lot, his dad works with my wife. Like there's a lot of like connections for me personally. That means I'll be on Andrew Vaughn. 
Love it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Andrew Vaughn fan as well. And even though, even with the second half dip, I'm, I'm going to be in. In fact, again, people want to lower the price because of it, by all means. But I still really um, believe in him. And I think there's a 30 homer season in the future. I, I think he's going to be a really polarizing player because I think there are going to be people who want to buy like we do. And then there are going to be people who, like, oh, no, look what happened in the second half. He fell off. He finally got to play and he fell off. Yeah. Um, I'm There's not going to be like, what, what, what are we buying? What's so special mm-hmm. about this guy? I'm going to buy somebody that's showing the burgeoning power with the contact to be really, really strong mm-hmm. with it. And he jumped the batting average up nearly 40 yeah. points this year from 235 to 273. That's the big difference for me with uh, Vaughn. And he's infield, outfield eligible. You know I love Always those huge. guys. Yes. The, the CI uh, outfield eligibility, um, in, in spite of the way those White Sox performed this year, I think back healthy next year, the White Sox are the best team in that division. Um, so, like, yeah, just give me give me a piece in the middle of that lineup, like Vaughn. I'm totally yep. fine. Love Andrew Vaughn. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We will, be, we will be back on Friday, either doing pitcher version of this or picking up what we were supposed to do last Friday mm-hmm. and then pushing the pitcher version of fall-offs to later. But, uh, Justin, hope you have a good one. It's great talking with you, and uh, good luck finishing out these last couple of days. I cannot wait for the playoffs, and we'll talk some playoffs on Friday for sure, too. Yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be such a fun playoff year. I know, like, so a lot of people are anti um, expanded playoffs. I'm here for, like, I'm all for it. Like, give me. I'm definitely here for it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm it's all be for fun. it. World Series at FPAS. If you have not, like, we're supposed to have like in Game Five or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Game Four and Five um, at FPAS. So, like, if uh, if you if you're on the fence, come watch the World Series with Paul and I. Telling you, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll we'll be there in a month. By the way, that's gonna coming up so quick. Oh, I, even I can't. I can't wait. I'm so, it's I'm gonna so be a, a blast. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'll talk to you on Friday. Take it easy. <laughs>